Welcome to Control Intelligence, a control design podcast that goes deep inside the automation and technology that machine builders, system integrators, and end users rely on to keep production humming efficiently. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Control Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Townsend, and today I'm talking with two experts from accounting firm Clayton and McCurvey about what's next after COVID-19 and how businesses can prepare for the long term and be ready to capitalize on opportunities post-pandemic. Brian Powerick is Industrial Automation Manager, and Tim Finnerty is Industrial Automation Practice Leader and Shareholder at Clayton and McCurvey. The full-service public accounting firm specializes in tax, assurance, accounting, and consulting services. If you think now is not the time to think about developing new products or services, improving business processes, or exploring new business opportunities, Brian and Tim have some reasons why businesses might want to rethink their plan and some sound advice for how to do it. Hi, Brian and Tim. Thanks for joining me on the Control Intelligence Podcast today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Great. Well, let's get started. Uh, So COVID-19 has impacted businesses around the world, including machine builders and system integrators. In many sectors, it severely slowed economic growth. When customers cancel or slow down external projects during economic slowdowns, why is this also a good time to prioritize internal projects that businesses maybe otherwise don't have time for? And in general, what are some strategies that can advance industrial automation businesses post-pandemic? Yeah, one of the big things that, that we see is if customers start slowing down or canceling projects, because of having the people on staff, it makes it a, a good time to potentially look at ways to develop new products, focus on improving products, looking at your uh, short and long-term cash flows, and really just looking at what other opportunities are out there. Some of the strategies that can be used when you're looking at focusing on new projects is the ability to to utilize, you know, the research and development credits in the future. So if you're developing or improving products, it could allow you to gain opportunities to understand your cash flow better by, by taking advantage of these research and development credits over time. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about cash forecasting, which can be an important part of any strategic objective. Right now, as businesses look to survive the pandemic, how are companies using the CARES Act, which was the largest stimulus package in U.S. history, to help free up cash and maximize tax planning for the future? The CARES Act also includes a temporary repeal of the provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. Can you talk about what those repealed provisions are and and what does that mean for businesses? Well, the first thing, when we look at the CARES Act, what most people understand that happened in there is the uh, Paycheck Protection uh, Program, which is everybody talks about the PPP loans, which allowed companies to obtain cash to retain employees. And as we were talking about in in the first part, you know, ways of what can you do in a slowdown? Well, because the government provided some assistance uh, to to pay for your employees, it allowed people to think about, you know, what projects hadn't they been working on in the past that may be a good opportunity to do that now by utilizing the, the funds that the government provided to them. So that was a really nice opportunity 
you know, at first it was an eight-week program. They extended it for 24 weeks because people just didn't have the ability to utilize all the funds up front, depending on what was happening in their in their industry. When we talk about some of the repeals that happened for the 2017 Tax Jobs and Cuts Act, um, one of the biggest things that happened was they allowed there was a there was a limitation on your net operating losses. So if you created a loss in a year, they were only allowing about 500,000 to be able to offset income. Well, they opened that up and then gave you the ability that, for example, if in 2019, you would have created a million dollar or $2 million loss because of different, because of depreciation or other items that you took advantage of, which could have been your changing from a accrual basis to a cash basis, this would allow you to potentially take that million to $2 million back five years when you would have been paying at a higher tax rate and receive refunds back. So that's one huge opportunity that was out there from a cash forecasting and planning opportunity. You would get that cash back. How would you then invest that cash going forward to help understand what you have in your company and what you're able to do. Okay, for those who might need some additional help, are there other government loan programs that are available to businesses and what can they help provide? Yeah, so the Stimulus Act also included a couple additional items that that could help with cash flow. One is the uh, Economic Injury Disaster Loan, which is also referred to as the EIDL, and that loan Get, is up to $2 million and could be used to help with working capital needs. So it would be different than the PPP loan that's ha- helping with your payroll costs and a few other costs. This would be if your working capital is really struggling and you potentially have the ability to either, you know, you don't have the ability to have a line of credit or be able to get traditional lending from a bank, you might use this. It comes with a few additional guarantees or different things that business owners would have to apply for, but it's a, it's another option. One other option that's out there, too, that really hasn't got as much traction as we thought it would is also the Main Street Lending Program, which has been allowing you, if, you're, if you've got under 10,000 employees, which most of the clients that we deal with uh, have, well under that, you can go to the banks and get some additional lending as well instead of through a government program like EIDL. Okay, well, let's hear about one of your specific clients in the automation industry and what it's done with tax credit and restructuring. Uh, You work with a company called Alliance Automation. Uh, They design and build automation systems. So tell me about what Alliance Automation uh, did to maximize its R&D tax credit and how did the company change its structure to benefit all owners? Yeah, you know, we can't go into uh, too many of the specific details on what Alliance did as, as a client, but in, but in general terms, you know, the, the R&D tax credit, it, it's not something new. It's been around since 1981. A lot of manufacturers and you know, system integrators, industrial automation companies already take advantage of the tax credit. But one of the things that we've found in, in our practice is that there's a lot of companies who claim the credit who might not be fully maximizing what they're entitled to. And and a lot of that just comes down to really understanding how the business operates, what it is they do, and how those activities line up with what's qualified for the credit. 
And, and so we were able to go through and really identify a couple areas where, where maybe they weren't claiming everything uh, that they were entitled to. So we, we kind of worked with them in that regard. And then the second thing that, that we were able to work with them on, as you mentioned, was kind of the structuring side of things is that uh, the way their business was set up at the time, they were uh, a flow through entity, which all of the, the income from the business flowed through to the, to the owners, and then they would pay it out on, uh, on their personal taxes. But with converting them over to a C Corp, which in the past, prior to the Tax Cut and Job Act, wasn't really beneficial because you got taxed at the corporate level. And then again, if you paid a dividend out to the owners, we found that it was more beneficial for them to actually convert back to the C-Corp now that the corporate tax rate had been lowered. And what that enabled them to do is kind of keep more cash in the business and then reinvest that cash into things that would help them grow and develop for the future. Additionally, as we were looking at everything, one of the other things that popped up within talking about converting to C-Corp was there's probably about five to 10 years ago, there was another change in the tax law that said if you had newly issued stock, there's a code section called 1202, and I don't want to get into too many details, but it allows you to set up this separate company or C-Corp where all these owners basically are getting into this new newly issued stock, and there's a capital gain exclusion that, that is allowed upon a sale in the future. And we talked about what is their timing of when they want to sell, you know, how long until that process is going to happen. And you have to hold the stock for at least five years. But so they had a timeline with growth and different things that they were somewhere probably in that five to 10 year range. And so based off of that as well, it really made a lot of sense to potentially restructure the organization to the C-Corp rather than having the, the past due entity. This doesn't always work for every company, but the whole point on this is as advisors get in with our clients, it's really trying to understand what is it of both their short-term and long-term goals of the company and owners to really structure and plan accordingly so that at the end of the day, you pay the least amount of taxes and get the most amount of cash back to reinvest in the company. The other big area of converting to a C-Corp with the research and development credits is the tax distributions are going to be minimal. And therefore, all the cash of the income that's generated can stay in the company to either pay down debt or reinvest and grow the company. So it's, it's a huge opportunity and something that you really want to look at and take advantage of if you can. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about real estate. Real estate holdings might be a way for a business to maximize on some future tax benefits now. Um, How can businesses who have built, purchased, or or remodeled business property use a cost segregation study to increase cash flow? Um, What is this tool, and how can businesses use this as a cash flow savings tool? Yeah, so this, again, getting back up to one of the first questions when we talked about creating some uh, net operating losses in this year, 2019 or 2020, that allows you to potentially carry back to future years or to reduce your tax in the current year. So cost segregation study basically is if you buy a building and you do a study, usually what happens is is a building gets depreciated at about a 39-year property. By doing a cost segregation study, you can reduce the depreciation on it because some of the 
parts of the building should be either 15-year property, 7-year property, or 5-year property. Therefore, under the tax job, the TCJA Act, it allows you to take bonus depreciation or 179 depreciation on those items so you can fully depreciate anything that gets converted to that. Typically, we see somewhere between 15 to 25% of the overall cost of a building be able to be depreciated immediately. So if you had a $10 million building, you're going to be able to get somewhere between $1.5 to $2.5 million potentially of depreciation in the year that you do the study to help reduce taxes and reinvest that cash into the business because usually you're going to get a mortgage on it or take out a loan, so you're not paying 100% of that value of the building. So it really helps from that standpoint. So that's kind of when you start looking at at cash flow opportunities, you know, one, an additional item that's out there. You know, I know earlier we kind of talked a little bit about the focus on short and long-term cash forecasting. You know, one of the things that we didn't get into when I talked earlier was that one of the things we try to tell our clients is try to understand days cash on hand based off of, you know, what your total revenue is or what your collections are going to be, you know, or I mean what your total expenses are. So if I had expenses on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, let's say, of $100,000 and I had a million dollars of cash on hand, that means I probably have 10 months of cash. So when you're thinking about it during this downturn, when you really look at your cash on hand, you want to understand how many, you know, how long can, do I have? But if I start declining in my revenue and then I got to ramp up quicker, potentially thinking about all of a sudden I get a bunch of new jobs and I got to hire more people and I might have to have more expenses, you need to understand that long-term cash forecasting because if I don't have enough working capital or enough ability to borrow because I'm not going to get paid on my receivables for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever your typical customer pays you, you're going to have an issue in that long-term cash forecasting. That's, so that's why we say focus on both the short-term cash forecasting, which is very easy, knowing of how much cash you have on hand currently compared to your monthly expenses, to your long-term cash forecasting that could say, ooh, what happens if I get a $10 million job? How am I going to be able to manage the cash on that job if I don't get paid, you know, in a reasonable time and I have expenses that have to be paid earlier? Thank you again, Brian Powerick and Tim Finnerty from Clayton and McCurvey for joining me today on the Control Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Townsend, and thanks to you, our listeners. If you enjoyed the discussion today with Brian and Tim, stay tuned. This is part one of a three-part series we recorded about business post-pandemic. We'll have more on standardizing and improving business processes in part two and exploring internal and external business opportunities in part three. Don't miss it, and thanks for joining us today.